0: Our guest this week on the Workplace Podcast is the founder and managing director of Lalo Consultancy. She formed the business in 2011 and has successfully worked with clients across the UK, Europe, US and Middle East markets in the field of building a culture of trust in order to bring about positive change. This week's guest is Paula Milligan. She's a personable, dynamic, and highly experienced management consultant, executive coach, and facilitator in personal growth. She's a visionary leader who inspires and supports others to be the best they can be. Paula, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. What an introduction. That sounds so impressive. (laughs) I know. And it's all you. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on this morning, William. Um, I'm really looking forward to having a proper old chat with you.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It it I, I really love chatting to you anyways. As you know, we always yeah, have to crack yeah. on the telephone. And mm-hmm. it's funny, the last time we met in person was when the pandemic broke. So I was we were delivering on a program right. and half the people were dialing in virtually. and then the other half were in the room and it was trying to manage that dynamic that we were both trying to help each other out isn't that true
1: yes that is true and we've been juggling and trying to manage the dynamic ever since so yeah yeah, that was actually the last time we were together yeah and we have we've done a lot of sort of virtual face-to-face and lots of chats since but yes no that juggle and that dynamic it's still a very real thing for all of us I think
0: And when I first got to know you, it was because you kind of became known as this person that if you are the expert on trust and specifically what I was really impressed about you was was the cards and the different activities that you use. So uh, here I have your one of your your. Resources that you sell through okay. Lalo, which is great, um, and I have them here in terms of the the cards uh, activity on the business value cards, and we yeah. have the feelings cards and the business insights and the Gremlin cards, and you know you do really you know have these activities and resources that you use when you are facilitating more groups um how are these going for you are you, are you able to still do these online or how's yeah, that yeah
1: you know i mean i've always said there's magic in a card there is something about people now obviously there, it's not so much so at the moment but people have been able to interact with a series of colorful cards with you know images on them and words on them and I think that, you know, I originally designed the cards um, as a result of being trained as an executive coach. And I had went through, was taken through a values, a personal values exercise, which involved word lists and lists of words. And I remember thinking that I find that quite difficult to do. Because mm-hmm. I'm a visionary learner and I remember looking at the list thinking, gosh, do you know what, there's maybe a better way that you could achieve doing this. And um, so that's where the initial vision came to design the cards. And yeah, I think there is something about when somebody has a card in their hand, maybe it's a prop, but it seems to bring the defenses down. It gives somebody a focal point to be able to talk around, and communication just comes at a different level. Um, and that there's one thing that I am as passionate about um, as I am in trust, it's, it's communication and how that how they link beautifully together.
0: And and as, speaking of linking in a in a different way, that's what this podcast is all about: is that mm-hmm. taking a different path. So our topic today is trust. So yep. can mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit more about that that topic of of trust?
1: Yeah, I think I'll start by just even setting the scene for for why trust is so important. I think even pre-COVID global pandemic, we just live in such a complex world. You know, we've got, now we've got the pandemic to deal with and the whole societal repercussions, all of that. You know, artificial intelligence, robotics, culture, changing gender roles, global integration, X, Y, Z generations. And I think it just all of those components and many others are just really increasing the social complexity of the world that we live in. And I suppose my focus, a lot of my focus is on leadership. So the importance of trust and leadership, leadership communication is always difficult. You can feel very alone in a leadership position, but I think more than ever, our relationships need to be up to it. We have to have powerful, resilient, open, transparent, high trust relationships with our people. And I think, you know, we know that trust is the bedrock of all relationships. We know that if even personal relationships, professional relationships, if there's no trust, you don't really even have the beginnings of what looks like a relationship. And I think when, how to know when trust is there is that it's the space that allows us to challenge one another. I've always said if you can successfully disagree, challenge, fall out with somebody, there's trust in the equation. And I think that vulnerability, that risk, that space to be able to feel like you can bring your strengths and your weaknesses is at the core of resilient, sustainable and highly effective relationships and highly effective
0: teams. and That's what I'm trying to explore a lot more in, in this podcast. So I'm doing a lot of research on, on yep. trust at the moment because I was really yep. fascinated by the work that you you do. And in terms of my research, there is something to the number of times that you connect with someone, you're a contact with you know it's this whole sense of do we you know have that that sense of belonging do I want to be with this person a little bit can you tell me a little bit more about that
1: yeah and I I suppose my husband has this whole ongoing saying you just like everybody you know so I'll maybe be brought in to work with a highly dysfunctional team or a particularly difficult leader and I will come out and say oh I really liked him or I really liked her and he'll say, You just like everybody, but it's not that. I genuinely believe that you can build a highly effective relationship with anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think there's prerequisites for how you do that. Obviously, being able to find out what the commonalities are, having those common threads, things that you're both interested in. So yes, you do have to veer away from those safe topics of conversation like the weather and work. And, you know, at best, what are you doing at the weekend? But, yeah, finding those commonalities is a great first place to go. Um, but also just going into any interaction with another person with curiosity, with non-judgment, with actually almost looking for what you like first, rather than looking for the differences or the personality clashes or the stuff that's not working for you. If you can actually go in and go, "I really like that about William. I really like that he has such positive energy and he's fun and he brings Lego into the into his rooms and he's really knowledgeable and he's always reading. you know it's literally zoning in on the good stuff. And I think if you can do that, that other person feels that immediately, and they will behave in a very different way.
0: Paula, I knew I liked you for a reason. you know thank you very much for that 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 was a that was a wonderful way to to express what you liked about me and you know uh, you know i I, i've very much uh have that mutual admiration of you as well. Hence, I, I bought all your resources in one fell swoop. Oh, I, I don't did. just want one resource; I want them all. Um, and <laughs> I think no you're right. Type of guy,
1: in fairness.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I I do like to to get fairly involved. That's that's true to say. And <laughs> and for me, there is that sense of curiosity too, isn't it? It's really about mm-hmm. to learn the other mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And then you mentioned difficult leaders. Okay, and. Yeah. Some people will say, well, you don't have to like the people that you work with. Yeah. You know, and, and you're going to have people that sometimes when we do coaching assignments or leadership development, you know, projects that or programs that this whole thing of likability tends to be a barrier to have that sense of connection or belonging in a team. Can you, can you tell me a bit more about that likability piece?
1: excuse me yeah no I I think yeah we do we get very fixed on well he's not really my type of person or I don't really like what he does and often there can be a values clash on top of that as well so we all have core values it's what makes us tick it's a moral compass it's what we believe in most senior management teams I work with have no idea what their core values are and these are highly developed people so again there are there's a myriad of reasons why you you may not like somebody instantly so i think it's 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 actually putting all that aside and focusing on the space in between the people so the space in between all the different personalities and all the stuff that they bring i think the high performing teams and highly effective leaders will break through that mm. and actually go Let's focus on the space at the core. Let's build something here, which isn't about, you know, us all trying to be the same or us all trying to be liked or us all trying to be, you know, highly popular. It's actually recognising that we all have our strengths. We all have our limitations. And being able to bring that confident vulnerability mix in as well in terms of I know who I am, I know who I'm not. But, you know, I bring this and William, you bring that, you know, and Bob brings that and Patty brings this piece. And together we are something special. So, again, I think if you can get a team actually feeling like that, then all of a sudden they they don't have to play a game where they're trying to work out what they need to hide or what they need to say to survive. They're actually bringing their whole selves in. And that's a prerequisite, again, for people being able to build highly resilient relationships from that base.
0: Yeah, and I even an an example of that, even from a, a personal experience, that I was working with someone that was creating a huge amount of stress for me yeah you know and and for me you know I decided to put that aside and I you know I I wasn't doing it in an intentional point of view is I genuinely liked this person Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: I realized that I you know it's it's really about self-awareness isn't it Paula that you know you you kind of know what your personality style is and then you're kind of going well actually from a rational or a logical sense we just have different styles. So it was actually yeah. came down to planning. Yeah. This person was very last minute planner. And yeah. While I'm very adaptive, you know, in the classroom, I do need to, you know, a bit of advanced warning to be prepared. Yeah, and I need that preparation because you can't be yeah. at your best if you don't have clarity yeah. in terms of what you're doing. So what I realized that I was missing was clarity and maybe a bit more organization in terms of advanced notice And once I got those two elements, then that was the conflict gone. That was the stress disappeared, you know. So I think it's really about that self-awareness, but it's really doing that as part of a group, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is because it's it's like you say, I mean, self-awareness is the cornerstone of emotional intelligence. You know, it's now really well-documented that authentic, effective leaders have two-thirds emotional intelligence to one-third IQ. So I think self-awareness is, is absolutely the starting point. And you will be in a position where you will be interacting with people that have very low self-awareness or are blind to their own sort of areas that they need to address. Or it's like you say, talking and putting putting it into context, you know, You were having, you were experiencing friction points with somebody. You were able, as a as a matter of your own awareness, be able to identify that it was the lack of planning and the last minute type of behaviour that was, you know, causing the friction. And again, what was required there was you needed to flex. You were looking to flex with that person or form some form of agreement with them, where you could more productively work with each other, Mm. rather than actually going. Do you know what? I can't work with this person he's out or she's out and the relationship is over. And I think one of the models that I probably found hugely beneficial for explaining trust to people um, is it's called the four layers of trust. And it came from, I learned it from one of my gurus, Jim McNeish. And Essentially, a lot of, because trust is so big, a lot of people don't really understand it. So they'll either say, oh, yeah, yeah, we really trust each other, but they don't. Or they'll say, oh, I don't trust anybody because nobody can be trusted. So, again, it's trying to actually give them something that they can benchmark trust against. And this this model was four layers of trust. So the first one is capability. So this is thinking about trust at a team level. Is the person capable of doing their job? So, <clears throat> can they actually do the job? Do they have the skills, the tools, and the resources to do it? it? Was the first layer of trust in a team. Often, what happens is that there are people who aren't capable, and what what then what that then produces is workarounds. So, the people who maybe can only do one aspect of the rule end up just doing that. The people who are multi-skilled get all the work, they then get annoyed because they see that the leader's not addressing underperformance. The people who are getting all the work then end up getting burnt out and that's the talent and they then exit the team. So the first layer of trust from a leader's perspective is to make sure that everybody is capable of doing their job. So the second layer of trust then is contractual trust. Can I bank on that person? to do the job and do it without me following up will they always do it really well and will they do it on time now unfortunately that combo is actually a very rare and beautiful thing because what happens again is that we very quickly work out who is the person that's not only capable but contractual so who does the job well who can we bank on and we give them all the jobs because give the busy effective person the job to do and it'll get done So the same thing applies if that isn't being addressed across the team. Well, then the people who are getting all the work get um, obviously annoyed. So, again, the emphasis is get an entire team to a place where they're not only capable, but contractual. And you are much closer to being high performing than you ever were before. So if there's a leadership focus I was going to I was going to promote people to look at it would be get your team capable and get them contractual then the third layer of trust is communicative trust and this is where the relationship is going into a more resilient sort of form so communicative trust if i tell william something private Will it remain private? And I think this is definitely something that we we struck within our relationship very early on in that I immediately I identified William as somebody that I could trust at a communicative stage. Mm-hmm. So if I needed advice or there was a territory or landscape I was unsure of, I was able to bounce it off William knowing that that communicative trust was in place. So that takes the relationship to a different layer. And then the last layer of trust is committed trust. Do you have my back and do you know that I have yours and that's at the core of high-performing teams and high-performing relationships
0: yeah there's so much to digest there it's brilliant you know and and for me you know I'm picking up different points there that you know that capability piece I remember being with a team and they didn't trust the leader to have the competence to actually manage people whatever about the leadership piece actually doing basic performance reviews yeah. Yeah. you know and and not holding people to account <laughs> excuse me and then that whole you know follow up aspect isn't that just so amazing yeah and then how how it doesn't happen you know and do we trust a person to you know to do yeah. what they say they were going to do that happens in all teams yeah and then as coaches is that currency of confidentiality isn't it yeah that's or uh, you know if you don't have that you, you, you have nothing can you tell a little bit more about confidentiality
1: oh yeah I mean communicative trust is is so important in terms of you know because if you the thing is it's a, it's a hard place to come back from so if somebody tells you something private and we are human beings we do love a good bit of gossip we do love a bit of scandal um but the thing is never as never as a manager or leader should you misconstrue getting down into the weeds and gossiping about somebody else in the team as a way to connect with your people because it is not a way to connect with your people because even the person that you're maybe gossiping with about somebody else you're planting a seed in their head that is saying this person can't be trusted
0: yeah if because they want to talk about it,
1: yeah 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 if-
0: if they're going to talk about, you know, that person, what's stopping them from talking about you that way?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So I think confidentiality, professional conduct, you know, being the type of person that will honour somebody's private information is, is just a very, very important thing. Um, and it will take the relationship to a different level.
0: And I think there's, there's a, it's a certain level of, imbalance that happens in a team that if there's certain people honoring these four layers that you're talking about
1: yeah
0: and then there's certain people that are not honoring that I think that's that's you know creates that whole notion of unfairness mm-hmm. then and maybe a sense of injustice we're actually going to have that as a topic on, a, on the podcast in a couple of weeks time so yeah. you know I think there's there's a big element of that that creates huge tension doesn't it
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a real positive shift in how people are being appraised, I think, is is, is coming through now in that you can see that performance appraisal is moving away from that, you know, let's, let's look at your performance over the last 12 months and this will equate to you getting a pay rise or not, which is just rubbish. I always remember as, as a manager or leader, hating the pay performance appraisal day because even if everybody got pay increases they were still completely unhappy um, because they didn't get as much as they thought they deserved or somebody walked out broke that communicative trust and told them what they got and they didn't get the same and on, on it goes whereas performance appraisal now is very much recognizing that total performance is your results so how you get your job done plus your behavior equals total performance so for me you can really start to feed in this four layers of trust into, into behavioral-related goals. You know, so in terms of, look, you know, you're performing at this level, but here is something that I'd love you to focus on. This is, this is creating a blocker for you in terms of your position in this team. This is something I'd like to work with you on and review with you and meet with you quarterly to see what you, where you can take this.
0: And in many of our conversations, we've great alignment on this, you know. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yeah. We would we would talk about it's not what you achieve sometimes, it's how you achieve it. Because oh, sometimes yeah, yeah. you can be getting the results, but you could be going through people for a shortcut, yeah. and you're leaving a trail of destruction behind yeah. you. And th- I'm noticing that a lot, especially in people who are ambitious or people who are eager to succeed or people just that lacking that self awareness or emotional intelligence. Would you agree?
1: Oh, completely, completely. And it's, uh, I'm going to put this back to an analogy of the New Zealand rugby team. So obviously seen as a high performing team for all obvious reasons. And um, they had two mantras. um, And I think these, if you instilled these two mantras in any team, Um, at its core it would really help so the first one was stab me from the front so if you have an issue with me talk to me about it don't go to somebody else in the team come to me again if you can instill that type of culture into your team brilliant and the other one was well I'm not going to say this is a bad word but it was the no d head rule which means Which is back to your point, you can be on paper, be doing your job, but be a complete sod in the process, Mm. which has its own ramifications across the team. So the whole mantra of that was, I don't care how good you are at playing rugby. You can be the best rugby player, but if you're not going to align yourself to the values and, and beliefs and systems within this team, you don't get to play. Yes. Yeah. So I love that as well. So it doesn't matter if you're great on paper. You need to be great in terms of what you mean to this team and what you're bringing to this team as well. So stab me from the front and the no date D head room, Bring those two in to start with, and I think you're 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 ten steps ahead.
0: And it's that whole notion of organizational citizenship, isn't it? This is this is the way we behave around here. We are the custodians of these values of the organization, and okay. that's why the you know the New Zealand team is so uh, successful and high performing. Is that they really are custodians of those uh, those, those values? Yeah, you
1: know? they are more important than anything else to them. And again, high performing teams will very much have those. Value systems and those mantras, and have a very, very firm focus on their why and the common sense of purpose. And, you know, like you say, they have all four layers of that trust. You know, they are committed, you know, there's the communicative trust, they can fall out, they can push back, they can challenge, but they have each other.
0: Yeah, and that brings me then to the final layer, then, that the, the, the layer of the committed trust. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the the all blacks thing stabbed me from the front, you know, and I have uh, in front of me here a little passage. All right. Um, about that circle of safety, you yeah, know, and yeah. it's from the the Spartans, you know, that, it, that you know, the movie 300. Yeah, yeah it was about these wires in ancient uh, Greece and they were really feared and revered for their strength and their courage yeah. and their endurance. And what was the really was powerful about that Spartan army. Okay. What it wasn't from their sharpness of their spears. It actually came from their strength of their shields. So losing one of their shields in battle was considered the greatest single crime that you could commit. Uh You know, there was no excuse for that to happen. So a warrior, you know, that carries the, the, the helmet, not just for their own protection, but it's the, it's that shield for the safety of the entire group. Yeah. So it's a bit like, you know, gazelles where they circle together, you know, and they're all facing outward to see, you know, an attack from a lion or something like that yeah and it's they all move then together you know so I think it's there's, there's a lot to be said about creating that yeah. circle of trust and that circle of safety isn't that true
1: oh absolutely that's like a sum of the parts you know we're only as good as we are as with each other you know, it's the at the real essence of team. No, I love that. I love that analogy of the shields. I really do. Yeah.
0: Might I might steal that? <laughs> oh well, actually, I, I I have borrowed it myself from <laughs> um, from and Simon Simon from Simon Senek, Excuse me, who borrowed it then from someone else? And uh, yeah. I'm 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 sure me me too. his name is Stephen Pressfield. So that's the. He Thank is the him. he is the person who wrote that history book. All right, oh, I so love that. thanks for Stephen love that. Pressfield for that. So, in terms of our time here today, what else do you think are the important aspects of trust that will make a difference to people in the workplace?
1: Well, I think the, the new I think we have a new a new chapter to write clearly as a result of what's what's been happening across the globe. I think there's certain trends and and things coming through for me in terms of teams are are struggling at the moment uh, for for the reasons of having to work remotely and, you know, for managers and leaders. We're now in a a completely new landscape of leadership, which is fraught with fear and uncertainty. And this is obviously detrimentally affecting our peoples and our own mindsets. And, you know, it, it's there's just so much. I mean, we could do a complete podcast on this part alone, but yeah. really what's coming through for me is that there are a lot of struggles and challenges within teams at the moment Um, with regards what the leadership offering needs to be. We as leaders really need to promote now being in this together, the need for collaboration. We need to be bringing real openness, real transparency, lots of high trust behaviour in terms of, our own role modeling. Um, and I think leaders now almost need to relinquish their status, that top-down approach, and put aside the ego and, and really focus on the space in between their people in mm. this new remote, isolated sort of format, um, more than ever. So for me, the whole world is held together by agreements and trust when trust is factored into an agreement yeah. it's it it's it's mutually beneficial so it yeah. should be mutually beneficial and i think as leaders what we must crucially do moving forward is revisit those agreements with our people
0: yeah okay and 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 just on that we're actually collaborating together you know in terms mm-hmm. of creating more offerings there to people especially on the aspect of leadership and and culture and and strategy and you know in terms of there there is a huge disruption to the ecosystem and a really important factor in that is trust you know so we we we've we've been quite good at collaborating and developing that because yeah. essentially as, as I was uh, I was talking to Fabio in another podcast, uh, another colleague of ours, Fabio Grassi, yeah. you know, we were talking about this whole element of coopetition, you know, and this whole thing of how do we look at collaboration in a different way, you yeah. know, and, and then and trust is a key element or ingredient if we want to call it that.
1: Yeah yeah I mean to collaborate, you need to, you need to you need to let people in for starters. Mm. you know you need the, the vulnerability has to be there. you have to be sharing. you know you have to be mutually working towards something that you know that can be beneficial for all. Um, and I just think that these new agreements need, the entire focus needs to be around opening a future that can work for us all.
0: And what would you say to people who may not be open to this, that say, listen, that's just fluffy stuff. You
1: Mm -hmm. know, that is,
0: you know, there's a huge resistance to that. Is there a link to emotional intelligence here? Or or what do you think is going on for people that, you know, may see this as non-essential to getting the job done?
1: Oh, I think, I mean, I think about doing this 10 years ago and walking in and, you know, CEOs going, it's sort of, it's a bit fluffy and a bit huggy, and yeah, you know, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but yeah, no, we don't do that. We just tell them what to do. um Or I think, yes, the people have come a long way. I think, I think very few leaders would argue against the idea that trust is necessary for building elite performance. But I still do think it falls into seeing trust building as soft or secondary. You know, a softer secondary school were a skill, but in my experience, it is the one thing that changes everything for the positive. I think it's been well documented now that, you know, it is absolutely essential for high performance and that when it's not there, that it can strip a third of your financial capability off your bottom line. So I think a lot of people woke up at that point and went, oh, right, well, that's substantial. Um, So, yeah, I think without trust, everything can fall into disrepair. I think put in a global pandemic and the the societal and economic pressure that we're all under now, that if people think they can move forward without trust and move into that command and control type space, I think it's a very risky, risky strategy. And I think we are collaborating um, and we are being asked more and more and more for support and help a new strategy and new ways of thinking so that the leaders can revisit these agreements with their people and re-look at the organisation and very work, very much work out how to get in front of this rather than waiting to react.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think it is that adaptive approach, that, that paradigm shift to have a, if you want to call it a, a post-COVID playbook, in yeah. terms of you know how do we get ahead of the curve? Is there under yeah. other, other trends then in terms of the future leadership? To, you know to get beyond that crisis that we could, you know maybe uh, offer listeners some tips.
1: Yeah, I think um, absolutely. It's it's coming the coming together element for me is everything. Absolutely everything. Revisiting everything. It's it's funny like even I think about we run we run consultancies. And, you know, post-COVID, it was all about high performance teams and high impact leadership and high level communication. And I very quickly worked out that that wasn't going to be as relevant out the other side of this. So I think we all needed, we all in our businesses need to sit and think about, well, maybe what we did before isn't so relevant. So what does it look like now? And what's the market saying? And what are the customers saying? And how do we pivot? How do we um you know, how do we turn into what, what is now needed to be effective moving forward? I mean, there was a brilliant, probably one of the best pivot stories I've ever heard was this lady who ran a goat farm. So she essentially had a goat farm, she made a living out of it, she had three people working for her. Um, COVID hit, she put her people away on furlough um, and then came up with this brilliant idea that she would do a personality profile for each of the goats and put it onto a website and market them out to corporate organisations to put on Zoom calls for five, 10-minute slots and got, I think, generated £25,000 in her first month. Brilliant, just brilliant. What a pivot. What a pivot, what a story and it worked and she got all her three staff back and needed more people so again I think there's an element of where leaders are going to need to be taken through a facilitated process to allow them to get to is there a pivot, what does that look like, what does that mean, how does that translate but immediately thinking about our biggest most important resource are our people, our people are struggling, people are struggling at the moment mm. so again really reaching out and focusing on that space in between all those different people that are now all dispersed all over the place and thinking yeah. about how to take them with the organization and the leadership into a new era
0: and yeah and if we don't take care of our people now when things get better they're just going to leave you know and oh, absolutely and there's so much fear of uncertainty and this is what's a, a, what we're noticing in, in previous conversations is in terms of self-preservation, behavior, start yeah, right. emerging in all yeah. these unconscious biases that we, we may not be aware of. And yeah. that's creating tensions, which is holding back our productivity. It's right. holding back our communication, you know, and it's really dragging the organization back as a collective. Would you agree?
1: oh completely i think the unconscious bias and you know self-preservation behavior is very evident at the moment mm-hmm. you know people there's a psychology around uncertainty the survival brain doesn't like it we mm-hmm. does not it doesn't process it well because it overestimates the threat and underestimates our ability to be able to deal with it and we just become like the brain can't process uncertainty and goodness knows, we have never been in a more uncertain time. So what that sometimes can compute to is control. So then wanting to, you know, be in control or, you know, looking after ourselves or, you know, feathering our own nest or just telling people what they need to do. And I genuinely believe that that is the worst approach that could be used at the moment yeah or that whole mindset of you should be grateful you have a job there's lots of people don't have work at the moment that's not the way people are going to see it so again i think yes very much understanding that there is a lot of fear there is a lot of uncertainty fear and uncertainty needs to be hit head on with compassion empathy and open transparent communication
0: yeah and that's what i got from you in abundance and you know because we establish those relations with a lot uh, relationships along with the other people that we collaborate with, yeah. you know, I think this has allowed us to create this podcast because, yeah. you know, we are here, even though, you know, technically speaking, we're competitors, you wow. know, this provides us an opportunity to collaborate, to kind yeah. of you know let each other shine in these podcasts so and again i think we're trying to role model these behaviors in terms of moving away from the self-preservation to having those high trust and sometimes you know difficult you know conversations Mm -hmm. knowing in the background that there's a positive intention there and i think that's that's the key thing is if people realize there's a positive intention you know there that actually this is actually going to make you stronger not weaker
1: yes absolutely and that we're now all trying to move towards a preferred future together I think should be the focal point Mm. rather than I'm just going to you know feather my own nest I'm going to protect my own business I'm going to I'm going to hide all my information you know I'm not going to share anything and it's just it's just not the right approach. It really isn't. I think it's come together, collaborate, share, be vulnerable, ask your people how they are and really listen to what the answer is. You know, create that loyalty. You know, create that understanding. Bring trust in at absolutely every level in terms of how you're behaving. And I have seen the opposite of that happening at the moment. And I, I would hugely promote to leaders that... There has never been a more impertinent time to bring trust in, to bring open communication in, to collaborate, to care, to show empathy, and that this is not soft, this is not touchy-feely, this is incredibly effective and incredibly strategic. Yes. For the growth of your business and for the growth of your people, and it's just fundamentally the right thing to do at a time like this.
0: Yeah, there's a whole notion of ethics to that. There's values. And it's really about those depth of relationships. If you have those depth of relationships, then you have that strong culture. And Mm -hmm. that means you've more employee engagement. You have higher productivity. You have better results. You've better innovation in terms of how to adapt. And, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the collaboration that we're doing, especially the workshops that we're designing now, is all about that long term future while yeah. trust is one of the bedrocks there yeah. actually what this does it makes your organization agile for the future so again it, it, whatever the dynamics that that it brings you know we can you know we can adapt to make sure that you know the full potential of a, an individual or a team is realized
1: oh completely agree this is about trust bringing trust into your equation is about continuous improvements it's about sustainability it's about measurable tangible results it's not just to be have nice relationships and it's not a nice to have it's an absolutely must have mm-hmm. um and just the the benefits are just endless as far as i'm concerned
0: So if if people were to get in contact with you, Paula, because we're coming near the end of the the podcast here, how would people, what's the best way to get in contact? Have you got a website, social media channels, what would they be?
1: Yeah, so Milalo, uh, which stands for Live a Life Less Ordinary, uh, so there's a website so uh, livealifelessordinary.co.uk uh, email address paula at laloconsulting.com and obviously linkedin linkedin instagram twitter but i think my my preferred channel is definitely linkedin and i love to talk to people so again you can pick up my contact number on the website or email me at paula at i would love to chat
0: well, I loved chatting with you today and thank you, you so did. much for being on the podcast. It's it, as as always it's been a pleasure.
1: No, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me on and yes, spending time with you is always a pleasure for me too. Thank you.
0: And thank you for listening to our listeners. That's it for this episode of the Workplace Podcast. My special thanks to this week's guest for a wonderful discussion. If you want to get in contact with a podcast about a workplace topic or a particular challenge that you're facing, contact me via Twitter at Different Paths. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, William Corless C-O-R-L-E-S-S, or go to my website, www.yellowwood.ie. Yellowwood, your externing learning and development partner, provider executive coaching, facilitation and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team and organisation.